Welcome to the Denver Gazette Sports Podcast. I am your host, Chris Schmedeke. Today, we are brought to you by Applewood Plumbing, Heating, and Electric. They have been serving Denver residents for over 50 years. They are the proud sponsor of the Colorado Avalanche, and they are the proud sponsor of this podcast. And on this podcast, we're going to dive into the world of golf. This is a Golf Insider edition, and I am joined by No Laying Up's own Big Randy. Randy, thank you for coming on, and how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Chris. Thank you for the opportunity to join the podcast. This is a treat for me. So, uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's it's really exciting. I found out you had moved to Colorado in April of 21. Is that what you told me? That's correct. Yeah, the start of April. I, I just celebrated, what would that be, two and a half years out here in Denver. Yeah, and I was listening to one of your guys' podcasts, and you were talking about playing Riverdale Dunes, which is right up the street from where I live. And I was like, I got to get Randy on the podcast. So, here we are, but I do want to start out with a little bit of people who don't know what you and your crew kind of do at No Laying Up. So let's just go ahead and do like a, a short version. I know there's a, probably a big long version, but let's try to do a short version of what you guys do over there. Yeah, gosh, we could do a multi-episode uh, series <laughs> on what exactly we do. No, the short version is we are in the new media space. I guess that's the term I've, I've kind of settled on in these uh, elevator pitches. I, we... Our, our main product, or I think a lot of um, the reason that, that we have an audience is through a podcast. We have a couple podcasts, the main one being the No Laying Up Golf Podcast. comes out twice a week. We do generally Sunday night recaps in and around the world of professional golf, reacting to what was going on the, that weekend. And then midweek, we always try to do an interview. Sometimes we do topic-based podcasts, et cetera. Um, Complementing our podcast, we have a big YouTube channel where we do a number of different video projects, the, the biggest being uh, what we call tourist sauce, these big extravagant trips all over the world, uh, which we document, hopefully as, as somewhat of a guide for people, perhaps going to places such as Band and Dunes, Scotland, Ireland, etc. Um, and we have a lot more video series on our youtube page again just search no laying up uh and then around all of that chris you know it's it's we we have a, a community of nest members that's that's what we call our community right. the nest uh we have a, a strong group here in the denver area in fact uh 40 to 50 i would say if i had to estimate and that feeds into we, we're big on trying to put together in-person events. You know, I think one of our big goals with no laying up in this business uh, and, and all of us personally, myself included, is it's so wonderful to get to meet new people. Golf is such a wonderful avenue in which to do that. And so we try to bring people together in real life and hopefully you can make a golfing buddy or two. How, how did you guys kind of start this? Um you know, I have to think back. What, what did when did you start? How many years has it been now? Yeah, well, we started by accident. Um, okay, <laughs> I I would say we we kind of trace back to the start of the podcast, which was April of 2014. Oh wow! So, okay, yeah. So we'll be coming up on a 10 year anniversary of the podcast here next April. Uh, but it 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 goes a little further back than that. Even you know, it, it started myself and two other guys. We attended college together, Miami of Ohio. And it was there that we became friends and golf played a big part in that bonding. And it gave us a lot to talk about. It gave us a lot to watch. One of the, the founders, Chris Solomon, he grew up in Columbus. We would go up to his house for the Memorial Golf Tournament. Oh, cool. 
and so it, it as we graduated college uh golf kind of kept us in touch with each other we we moved across the country we we no longer lived together and we would constantly text each other you know watching golf and they were i don't know we had fun doing it and one day chris was like hey guys there's this thing called Twitter. I don't know if you guys are on it, but I'm going to start an account and I called it no laying up and here's the password. Feel free to post anything you want. And so truly, I, I think that was maybe 2011, 2012. I don't have the exact dates. I'm sorry, but it started as this, you know, what we call this dumb Twitter account. Yeah. Gradually there, there gets to be a little bit of an audience. We say, Hey, you know, what if we started a website? So we did a little writing and then the podcast and then it's slowly layered. I think I'm trying to make this brief. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I think where we became officially a business was when we all left our quote unquote real jobs. And that happened over a period of time between late 2017 and really the first part of 2019. So maybe those 12 to 18 months we had an opportunity and we all stepped in and we said, Hey, if we're ever going to give this a try, now's the time. And so here we are about five years later, things are knock on wood. They're, they're going pretty well. And you know, I get to talk to you. I get to, I get to do podcasts like this, which is excellent. It, you know, it's, it's just that, that golf can just bring people together. And, and, you know, you talk about these longtime friendships you've had with, with all these guys that know laying up and it's just amazing how golf can bring guys and women together. Yeah, that that's exactly right. It's uh, um, it, it's just such a well for people who love golf. You know, it's I think sometimes trying to explain to people who don't really enjoy golf, it's it's kind of like speaking a different language. But what I love about golf, first, it's a lifelong game, right? And, right. and it's a game that cannot be mastered. It it is endlessly frustrating. I I like to think of it almost more like a practice, right? If if anybody like does yoga or any of these things where it's a constant practice, that's how I like to think of golf. And because it's a lifelong game, and because you know public golf courses and there are a number of different places to play, you it it just brings you together either purposely or by sheer accident with so many different people that you would never run into in your day-to-day -day life. And I, th I think golf is a lot like life in that, you know, you can take some of the, well, it's never going to be fair. You get bad breaks, you get good breaks, you know, a lot of those cliches, but it is true. And, you know, around a golf, you're kind of going through that experience with, let's say it's myself as a single and I'm paired up with three strangers. It's like, well, we're, we're in this four to five hour experience together and it's going to be good at times. It might not be good at times, I don't know. It just it 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 has a way of bringing people together, and I think that's a really special thing. And you know, I I call it like the ultimate challenge as well. Um, I, I'm 43 years old, and I just started working with a PGA pro just to refine my game. I played since I was 18, and I've been doing everything wrong. I found out in the last like six <laughs> months, and you know, his lessons has helped me. It's dropped my score, and at 43 years old, I think I'm playing the best golf I've ever played. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm pretty similar to you. I, I just celebrated my 40th birthday. Yeah. I, I started younger than 18. I, I can remember some kids junior clinics when I was probably six, seven, eight years old, but it was never a sport I played competitively growing up. It was yeah. always something I did in the summer with friends when we were out of season with soccer, basketball, baseball, in my case. And 
but getting back to your point, yes, it's it's such a challenge. And I I I think another great thing about golf is it can be what you want it to be. So for me, I like the challenge of golf is a difficult game and I know I'm never going to master it. And and it's always a challenge, right? I try to approach each round of golf. Like, I, I don't know. I love keeping score. I love, you know, keeping my handicap. I, I love the challenge of, you know, can I get a little bit better today? And some people is like, Hey, I like to go to the simulator and I like to bang balls and, and yeah. have a beer. And it's like, that's cool too. It, it can offer so many different things depending on what you're looking for. So I was a junior in high school when Tiger won the 97 masters and that just vaulted everything. Like a lot of people our age, that just, that, that changed everything. But my, my next question for you is what brought you to Colorado? That's a great question. Um, I, so when I said before we all quit our quote unquote real jobs and gave no laying up a go full time for me, that meant giving up. I was living at the time in Columbus, Ohio. I, I've had a very circuitous professional journey, but at the time I was, I was coaching high school basketball and I was working at the high school. Um, but a few of the guys had already congregated down outside of Jacksonville, Florida. And so, you know, the thinking was, Hey, if, if we're going to give this a go full time, there was nothing really tying me to Columbus. I mean, job, except the job, but I wasn't married, didn't have kids, none of that. So I was like, I'm going to move down to Florida. Four years later, uh, great experience, loved living next to the guys I was working with, but I think there was just something missing for me outside of work. You know, I'm, I'm, I enjoy the beach, but I, I just can't spend every second of every day on the beach. I miss the change of seasons. I miss the cold weather, Chris, that we're getting now. And I was looking for a change and all my family's in Ohio. I thought, ah, I don't know if I'm quite ready to get back to Ohio. And, and honestly, I, I I had been out to Denver. We put on an event here at Common Ground in 2018. And it was the first a time. A wonderful golf course. A wonderful golf <laughs> course. It was the first time I'd been to Colorado in the summertime. And went around Denver for a few days while the event, you know, was was going on. And I was like, man, this is a really nice city. And so fast forward to 2021, we're we're you know, slowly kind of coming out of the pandemic. And I, like I said, I was ready for a change. And so, you know, Denver just in the end ticked so many boxes for me. You know, I, I think chiefly among them, uh, a big city with pro sports teams. I, I love sports. I love being able to go to a game, a very much a culture of getting outdoors, being active. I grew up snow skiing. So the, the appeal of getting to the mountains in the winter was high on my list. It's a wonderful city to travel from. You know, we do a decent amount of travel in our line of work. The, you know, you can get direct flights to so many places out of Denver. Um, and it was just something new. You know, I wasn't ready to go back to Ohio. I, I was still connected to Ohio through like a two, two and a half hour flight. It didn't feel too far away. And so I pulled the trigger. I didn't really know many people. I knew a couple people through our event and and coming out here once or twice but it's been a great a great new chapter in my life i've really really enjoyed it here have you adopted the uh denver sports teams yet are you still rooting back in ohio i my loyalties mainly <laughs> still lie back in ohio i'm a big you know it's so easy to be a Bengals fan now which yeah. growing up it never was uh so i do like the Bengals. i love cincinnati reds but I, i'll tell you the team that i have adopted are the nuggets oh, and yeah. 
Jokic is so much fun to watch. Obviously, they they've won the championship yeah. last year, so that helps. Um, kind of grew up. I, I'm hesitant to say this. I kind of grew up a Detroit Red Wings fan, so the oh, Avalanche boy. are are <laughs> off limits for me. Um, but I've been out to a Rapids game. Like I I, I just enjoy. I, I I go to some Rockies games. It, it just is fun being able to to catch a game. Yeah, I I've lived here most of my life, so that this is home. And when the Nuggets won the title in June, it was it was a special moment, uh, professionally and personally. It was kind of great. Um, all right, so let's talk Colorado golf a little bit with you. You've been here for two years. What's some courses you've really liked around here? Well, I think we start with Common Ground. I mean, yeah. I mean, you said incredible golf course. I I love. It's a it's public, right? I yeah. my my heart kind of always lies with the public places. I, I think it's very important to have good public golf available to people. Um I, I think Common Ground through the the Solich Leadership Academy, they they do a number of things that really help people, and I like that. So I'll start with Common Ground. Um after that, you know, I I really enjoy playing the the city courses. Oh, yeah. I, at least the ones that I frequent the most, uh, I'll start in order, probably Welshire. Okay. Um, it, it reminds me, I think why I like it, it reminds me a little bit of the Midwest courses that I grew up on, more tree-lined. Um, you know, it doesn't quite have that rugged openness of some other courses. But I'd say Welshire, City Park, uh, Willis Case are, are the three city-owned courses that I get to the most. I think all are charming and fun and quirky in their own way. Um, they're all pretty inexpensive. Chris, the one complaint I tell people is like the, the hardest thing is just getting the tea time. Oh, yeah. You know, I, oh, yeah. <laughs> Denver's such a, a, a golf-crazed city that that can be the biggest challenge. And then I think outside of that, you know, Riverdale Dunes, great example. I, I've been out there maybe five or six times over these couple of years. Fantastic condition. I'm yes. always blown away by the condition it's in, which is wonderful. Um, just got up to Walnut Creek, really, for the first time this summer. Enjoyed that. Played the homestead. I'll throw this one out there. A little, you know, 5,000-yard yeah. bar, I want to say 66 or 65, I don't know offhand. That was so much fun. Great condition, fun walk, you know, a little bit of a confidence booster, but with greens that are quirky and undulating. And, you know, it, it's not just the hit it to the middle of the green and, and one putt or two putt. There's there's definitely some some strategy and, and uh, challenge there. So I think those in and around the city, quite honestly, those are the ones that I frequent in the most. I I there are so many courses I need to explore yeah. and, and I'd almost flip this question on you, Chris, like what, what are the ones that I'm missing out on? What, what are the ones I have to go see? So, so I live uh, North of Denver in that right by Riverdale. I live like 10 minutes from Riverdale dunes. Have you played the Knolls, which is the other course over there at Riverdale? No, just driven by it. And it always looks great too, but I've never it, played the Knolls. It's a lot. It's a bit easier. Not as much as that tall native all over the place, like at dunes. Uh, but it's a great, it's a confidence building course is what I've called it. Like, cause you know, maybe you're hitting your driver a little bit off. You're going to find it and you're yeah. probably going to have a decent shot into the green. So it, that's a pretty good one. Uh, Buffalo run golf course is also right up there by Riverdale. I live close to that one. That's okay. They've been under construction, but that's a really great course as well. One of my favorites is Highland Hills golf course. They have a giant, a 92nd in Sheridan. They have a giant complex. They have an 18 hole, a nine hole and two par threes. Oh, wow. And a miniature golf course for the kids. If you want to take anybody. So their gold course is very challenging. That's another fun one. 
you know, Legacy Ridge and Westminster, which is kind of next to Walnut Creek, is another great one. One thing I love about golfing here, and I'm sure you've noticed it, is you can just look up and the views are just immaculate. Yeah, that, that's the one can constant. Uh, it's and, and you know what, Chris? Quite honestly, it took me a while to I, on some of these courses too. You're you're not only looking up and the views are immaculate, and you see the mountains on one side. But it's also like, okay, how 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 are those mountains are is is are these affecting my putts at all? You know, that, right. that's the one thing I've had to learn is how much how how much pull and slope gradual undulation there are uh, with everything seemingly feeding down off the mountain range. I've had a chance to play TPC Colorado, uh, where they hold the Corn Ferry Tour event. Um, I it's just a media thing. I get to go. Uh, that's amazing. I got to play Cherry Hills this year because of the USAM. And it ate me alive. Um, but, you know, those two courses were just amazing. You know, they're, they're private. Um, well, TBC is semi-private, I think, is how you would classify it. Uh, there's some good ones. Colorado National Golf uh, Golf Course is up in Erie, Colorado. That's home of the, the college plays there. CU plays there. That's another great one to check out. So I don't get out and play. As, I've gotten out and played more this year because I have three kids and they're all finally in school. So I can get out at nine in the morning and get a round in before work. Which is great. But, um, you know, there's just, there's just so much, and that's not even counting the Western slope of Colorado and the mountain courses, which are even more beautiful. Yeah, that's, that's probably my biggest blind spot, to be honest, Uh, it's more of the mountain golf. I, I just have not really done a lot of that hardly at all i've actually the the one mountain course i got to play was up uh near steamboat haymaker got well i got an invite to catamount that's the other thing i should say i I give i get some nice invites every now and again i i try not to be you know america's guest but i will i will take one up every now and again so i i've you know i've gotten a chance to play cherry hills and Denver Country Club, even yeah. I, I shout out Lakewood Country Club yeah. was was a really fun course. We actually did no laying up. We did an event there a few years back, um, but the mountain golf has been a big blind spot. So that's that's on my to do list next summer. Um, yeah. The the biggest issue I run into, Chris, I kind of commiserate with you, and I, it's not because I have children, but most of our travel occurs, I would say, between kind of the April to yeah. really now end of yeah. October timeframe. And we tend to play a lot of golf when we travel. And so I am somebody that I, I cannot play seven days a week. Yeah. I, I just am not, I, I need breaks from golf. And usually when I come home, I, I kind of put the clubs in the closet and I might play, you know, once a week or once every couple weeks. So I, I don't play a ton, a ton of golf in Denver in Colorado. Uh, but I need to change that certainly with the mountain golf. So you talked about all your guys' travel. When did that kind of start and how does that kind of work for you guys? I I know it can be expensive and things like that for, but how does that all work for you guys? Yeah, we, um, well, it, it, it doesn't fit into one bucket. So we, we do a, a bunch of different travel for different purposes. Um, I, I would say, if we're talking kind of about what we do in terms of producing video series and and travel shows, that is travel that we're deciding to do. And, you know, we may have like a sponsor attached to it or or some corporate help to, to help fund the cost of that. We also do, I'll I'll plug our strap series, which is kind of a a fun, uh, 
can be irreverent sometimes look at budget golf across America. So that's one we just totally made up. We said, Hey, what if we took a budget of $500 excluding, you know, planes or rental cars, essentially once you get to a city, if you had $500 to, to spend two nights to play three rounds of golf, to eat, to drink, to do whatever you want to do, uh, is that feasible? And so we've gone to a number of different places all across the country, uh, testing that out some more successful than others. But I think to answer your question, you know, we, 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 we travel and we do some of that for the, for the purposes of content creation, right. Turning it into video. And then we do go cover, we certainly aren't traveling week to week on the PGA tour, for instance, but we do try to go to some of the bigger tournaments, some major tournaments, both on the men's and women's side. Uh, So that usually involves, you know, heading to wherever the event's being played and, and checking out the tournament. I, I so that's our two biggest, yeah. you know, kind of buckets of travel. And yeah, it's uh, sometimes it's taking risks and placing bets on ourselves, whatever idea we have and wanting to produce it. And then I, I think, you know, the, the name of the game for us, how we've turned it into a business is, you know, with the audience, you, you're, you're trying to attract sponsors, but with the point being, we want to be very mindful of who we're partnering with and we want to respect the audience and not just, you know, cram anything down their throat. So we, we, we try to be picky with our, our partners and, and, and choose people that will, you know, be excited and, and want to help us think about and plan and, and create, uh, hopefully fun stuff for the viewers. So I don't know, like I said, we, we, <laughs> I feel like we do a whole podcast series yeah. on, on kind of the business and a yeah. lot of the machinations, but hopefully that gives people an idea at least. You know, I'm just so, I feel like we're late here in Colorado on like the content creation for golf. Cause, cause there's just so much out here. So that's why I was so excited to kind of talk to you about some of that business side stuff. What, one of my favorites is the film room when you guys do the film room. Oh yeah. yeah and uh, I, I watch those all the time. Uh, I, I enjoyed watching like Sully try to qualify for the U S open. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to ask you, because you played nine holes with Michelle Wee at Pebble Beach. How yeah. was that? How was that experience? <laughs> well, on the surface, it's great, right? Uh, getting <laughs> to play nine holes with somebody like Michelle Wee, who is super nice. And at a place like Pebble Beach, I mean, oh my gosh, what what more could you ask for? Yeah. That was my first time playing Pebble Beach. So, you know, great, right? Great. But the actual day we show up to play it was it was the media day ahead of the u.s women's open earlier this year and the wind's blowing and i'd say pretty sustained maybe 25 mile per hour with with gusts up above that it's chilly uh i'm an eight handicap golfer for for anybody listening who needs reference so you know if i break 80 it's a great day but i certainly have it in me to you know shoot a 91 92 here and there well, I, I got absolutely eviscerated at Pebble Beach. Yeah. And so when 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 things start going poorly in your golf game, you know, you layer on, well, I'm doing this in front of Michelle Wee, one of the most recognizable names in golf. I, I got a couple buddies with cameras following my every move, just absolutely relishing in my agony. And thankfully I'm very used to embarrassing myself on camera these days, but yeah, I, I just have to lean into it. I, I'm hopeful that my pain and suffering that I can put out on video uh, is relatable to folks who have been through similar circumstances with their game. Yeah. Pebble beach is on my bucket list. I, I've never gotten to go there, but I, I, it's, it seems like it's such a once in a lifetime kind of thing. 
it is you know i again we were fortunate to i was fortunate to get to play it during the media day what i would tell people too is you know if if the pricing and and whatnot is is a little steep to even play golf if you ever find yourself out there especially in february they always have the at&t pebble beach pro-am um they'll they'll host some majors here and there i mean the women's major was absolutely ideal if you can just go walk the property you know those those iconic holes it it, it just is so incredible of a walk and that was a th- you know whenever you go to a place like that that's always the thing in my mind is is it going to live up to the hype the the expectation that i have from hearing so many people say exactly what i'm saying now and pebble did for me it absolutely lived up to it i mean i'm thinking of the stretch like hole five through eight it's unbelievable and so yeah even if you can't play it if you can just get out there and kind of walk the property and see it i i think that's a really special thing i remember a couple years ago my wife and i were out there uh in that area i didn't get to play golf because it was an anniversary trip and that wasn't going to happen but (laughs) we just we just flew over it like leaving coming back to colorado and i was in awe just seeing it down there like through the plane window i'm like oh it's right there the ocean and it's right there it it really is the most dramatic kind of cliff line. And uh, yeah, it, it just, for as many times as you've seen it on TV, there it, it still is just, you can't really believe it in person, seeing it that first time. I, I'm just enamored with the whole West Coast. Again, I grew up in Ohio. I, I wasn't all that familiar with, with the real, real West Coast of this country, but through golf, you know, Bandon Dunes, I'll give them a plug. Yeah. What a what a resort that is with some unbelievable coastline golf, Pebble Beach. It, it just is it, it's amazing when you can get to places like that. Uh Bandon Dunes is building something out here in twenty it's supposed to be done in twenty twenty five. So I know. Uh, it's gonna be exciting for sure. I, I was yes, I know. I, I'm like another reason I'm so glad to live here because everything they touch, they seem to just do a, a an A plus job. So I, I'm very optimistic about their project here. So I want to talk to you a little bit about Colorado golf on the pro level because it was a pretty big year here with uh, Wyndham Clark, of course, winning twice. Uh, Jennifer Cupcho was on the Solheim Cup team. You got to watch that in person. But uh, you know, what did you guys think of Wyndham's rise this year? I thought Wyndham, I, man, I was so impressed with his performance at Los Angeles Country Club, winning the U.S. Open to to kind of go toe to toe with Rory McIlroy uh and and really it seemed like he didn't really blink i it just for Wyndham it, it of course it all seems obvious in hindsight but but you kind of go back and and see him start to build up to something like getting in contention in a major and he found himself in that spot like i said at LACC and yeah it it just i i th- what one of my favorite things about watching professional golf is to see people like Wyndham, people like Jennifer a few years ago when when she captured the uh, it's now the Chevron, it was yeah. still the A and A when she won. To see people in big spots like that who have never been in spots like that before, to see how they react, uh, because it can go a number of different ways, and usually all of them are very interesting as a television viewer. And Wyndham, man, I, I just came away from that week so impressed with his demeanor and how he handled himself out on the golf course. It, it There was nothing fluky about it, and he backed it up with another win. I, I think he's a guy that 
I think we can expect to be in the mix here over the next several years. I mean, I, I will not be shocked to see himself to see him put himself in more positions uh, at, at the major events. And I've interviewed him twice and I've got, he's a, he's a very confident guy and he hits the ball a ton. So I think he'll be okay on the PGA tour. <laughs> well, that's one thing I, I feel like you talk to most PGA tour players and, and that's two qualities. Most of them have in common. They all hit it far and they're usually pretty confident in themselves. Uh, but he has good reason to be. And honestly, I've really enjoyed, you know, I'll say my newfound home here in Denver. It's been fun to, kind of follow along and and read about people such as Wyndham, Jennifer, w- when they do do great things, and not just exclusive to golf, but obviously we're talking golf, to, to kind of see and feel and and um, take in how the city reacts to them, right? Yeah. And it, it's fun to kind of have those hometown athletes make good on on the biggest stages. So that's that's been really uh, a, another great thing about being here for me. And Wyndham won the U.S. Open right after the Nuggets won the title. So it was like a really nice That's week right. there. And it was just the yeah. city of champions for a while. It was a lot of fun. So with Jennifer Cupcho, you know, she's has the major. Uh, I grew, I worked here at a different uh, media place and we covered her in high school. And she just dominated high school here. Like she just ran away from everybody. <laughs> and then she won, um, you know, the women's at Augusta. She won that as well. Yes. I think she won the first one. Um. But I talked to her right before the Solheim Cup, talking about that atmos- what that atmosphere was going to be like. You guys were there. What was that atmosphere in Spain like? The atmosphere in Spain was unbelievable. Uh, we had, just to kind of backtrack, the first Solheim Cup I attended was two years prior in Toledo, Ohio, 2021. Okay. The bummer about that was we were still... Uh, that's COVID time still. The, a the bit. U.S. still had the the COVID restrictions for travelers and whatnot, so there just wasn't nearly the European the, the amount of European fans present as what would make a a more fun boisterous Solheim Cup. And so you fast forward two years, twenty twenty three, and and obviously it being in southern Spain on European soil, very excited to to see the European fans. They're they're creative, they're loud, they're they're fun, they're energetic. I was also impressed with the amount of American fans there as well. It just made for it's just such a fun environment. And I know you can read anywhere. You can listen to any pro who's been able to play on a Solheim cup team or a Ryder cup team on the men's side They they talk about, you know, there's just nothing like the, the pressure and the excitement when you're competing for your country. And it makes sense when you can get to a venue and, and you see the atmosphere and you just feel the intensity it it is like man it's such a departure from the week to week that women like Jennifer have on the LPGA tour where they're really their own business they're they're their own organization now they're a part of a team and with that you know you, you get the pressure of wanting to do well for your teammates your coaches the american fans like it, it just puts them in such a fun spot and i love that it's every two years um because I, I I think that pacing helps add to the mystique and the excitement and the pressure. Uh, but yeah, Spain Spain delivered. Spain put on a a heck of a party. Um, the European fans showed up. They showed out. They were loud. They had the fun chance. It just was. It, it's it, it's an excellent sporting event. I know Colorado hosted a Solheim Cup yes. uh, 
10 years ago, I believe 2013, man, if, if one ever comes back here, if there's ever one that anybody listening has the ability to get to, I I could not recommend it enough. It is such a fun three days of golf and you just can lose yourself in whether you're an American fan, a European fan, you just can dive in and, and it makes golf feel like all these other team sports that we love. So I, it's, it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. And then they play again next year, right? Because they want to get back on the two year thing. Yeah. So it's usually every two years, but they're going two years in a row to get back on an even year schedule because i think they're trying to get away from being at the same time as the Ryder cup uh so starting next year it's going to be at the robert trent jones golf club outside of washington dc the solheim cup will be and then the next one will be in 26 28 etc etc so you know you're a newcomer to this area i want to ask you we used to have a pga event here we had the international for all those years it's been gone now for a while we have the Corn Ferry Tour event. Uh, we hosted two USGA events here this year. The uh, U.S. Junior Girls was down in Colorado Springs at the course at the Air Force Base. I got to play that course as well. That was awesome. I went down but for great. the media day, Chris. One Were you the down perks. there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. I could have run into you. I didn't even know. I know. I'm sorry. I was a little late getting there, but I was like, I, I don't know when else I'm going to have a chance to play that Air Force course. And yeah. I had heard good things about it. So I was like, hey, let's, yeah. Uh, like I said, taking advantage of the media card when I can <laughs> to play some golf. So yeah, great, wonderful, wonderful course down there. Did you make it to Cherry Hills as well or no? I, so I actually had just gotten back from the women's British open. Okay. Yeah. And I was a little jet lagged and I, yeah. So I, I comfortably watched the, the USAM on my couch here. Okay. Yeah. It was a, when we played the media event a couple of weeks before they had the rough grown to where it was going to be for the tournament. And it was, <laughs> oh man, was it a nightmare? Uh, but, yeah. but it yeah. was, you know, it's an experience that, you know, they have the plaque where Arnold Palmer hit the tee shot right. and you get to stand right there. I took a picture right next to it. It was just an unreal experience. But my question was for you is, I think we need a PGA or an LPG event here. Do you feel the same way being a newcomer to the area? Yeah, I, I think absolutely. And I will plug the BMW championship yep. that's coming to Castle Pines next August, which is fantastic. Yep. I, I think Denver is one of those markets, you know, you, you, you look at, Chicago, you look at uh, Philadelphia that are underserved with annual tournaments, both on the PGA and the LPGA side. And yeah, I I just feel like Denver is, is big enough. It's the the way it's situated. It, it it feels like a market that should have an annual event either at the PGA or LPGA level. Um, a ton of logistics, a ton of challenges. Yeah. I realize go into that, but yes, if I could twitch my nose and and <laughs> be the the king of everything, I absolutely would. Because, uh, like I said, I I just think it's it's good for the game. Um, one of my pet peeves, and there are a lot of reasons behind it, but you know the 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 men's side, for instance, is it's so saturated in the state of Texas. Yep, the the southeast United States, and and some of that is because they get better weather for longer in the year but man i just wish the tour would would the tours would do a better job of of really trying to get to more major markets and i would put denver in that i was kind of shocked when they just announced that the lpga is finally going back to boston i mean boston's a huge market that's amazing to me 
yeah and i think boston is no oh, <laughs> I, I should know this, but Boston's another market that's traditionally been somewhat underserved with, yeah. with annual events. But yeah, the LPGA will be back there next year, which is fantastic. The LPGA has, has started a new tournament two years ago in my hometown of Cincinnati, Ohio, yeah. which I think is great. Uh, you can kind of lump Cincinnati, Columbus, Indianapolis, Louisville. You know, you, you get to that part of the country and you can kind of draw on a lot of different major metro areas. So I, I, the LPGA is doing a great job. The PGA tour, they seem a bit more set in kind of their, their destinations, but we'll see over the next few years. You know, you guys really ramped up your LPGA coverage on your podcast and everything like that. Like what, what kind of went into that? Do you guys just feel that, Hey, it, it was time to do this. Like it, it was long overdue. Yeah. I, I, I mean, that's what it boiled down to. I, I think it becomes harder to operate as we are, um, it, it just doesn't make sense to focus all on the PGA tour and yeah. ignore the women's side, which, you know, there's wonderful golf being played on the women's side and there's so many great stories. And honestly, like, this is what I always tell people. The women's golf is so much more relatable to me personally than the men's game. Uh, the, the men's game is guys that have, you know, 180 ball speed and, are hitting it 340 yards like that's I'll, I'll never do that That yeah. that's like a different sport to the game I play the women's side and again like Michelle Wee and I've had a chance to play with a number of LPGA players at this point and it's incredible that you know hey we're, we're kind of hitting the ball the same distance we're, we're pulling the same clubs from the same distances into greens the only difference is like they're just world class, right? Yeah. They're shooting 66, 67, and I'm over here shooting 84, 85. Uh, but the women's game is fantastic. I, I think it's something that and and listeners and and supporters of ours were, you know, rightly telling us, hey guys, we love what you're doing and we we love what you're doing on the men's side specifically, but have you ever thought about the women's side? And it's like that's absolutely something we need to be doing. And honestly, we see a big uh, opportunity on the women's side. It, it's certainly not something that we approached out of like a sense of charity or right. obligation per se. It, it's more like, yeah, there's so many, it, it's such a fertile ground of storytelling. And I, I'll say this too, starting to work with, you know, folks at the LPGA tour to coordinate, Hey, could we have access to this person for a podcast or, Hey, we want to come out to this tournament. Could we do something? It's so refreshing because they are so thankful to have yes. media coverage. And they're like, yes, of course. How can we help? And I will say on the PGA tour side, it's a little bit more guarded and it's like, uh, you know, you're, you're fighting to get to do stuff a little bit more on that side. So we've had a great time doing it. Um, me personally, like, Golf kind of comes to me through my grandmother. She she grew up uh, working at a golf course that her father had. He had a farm and he turned it into a golf course. And, you know, she was kind of the tomboy of the family. So she just worked at the golf course and she had a lifelong love of the game. She would take me to play when I was very young. And so it's like, I, I don't know. I, I work with guys who have daughters. It's like there there's no reason not to do the same exact thing on the women's side that we do on the men's side. It's, it's like 
you know, it should be like tennis where, you know, men's tennis, women's tennis, it, it's not thought of as greater than or less than it's just side by side. And so that's our hope. We want to be, you know, it's one of those things that what's the cliche, you know, be the change you want to see. So we're, we're hoping that, Hey, we're making an effort and hopefully a lot more folks can, can get to the women's game and, and start telling the stories that that should be told. Yeah. You know, when I write about the women's game here, it usually does better traffic wise. Cause I think there's just people that are just very interested in it. You know, mm. we have the Colorado women's open and the Colorado men's open here uh, in, in the middle of summer and, and cup show won that too. Uh, yeah. But Saganda played in that when she was like an am and came in second. And then, you know, she makes that, big, that big putt and all that in the Solheim cup. But um, yeah, it's always well read, and and I love writing about. It. I just wrote today about the CU. Like, I think college golf is a little bit like that too, where it just does not get the coverage that I think they think they want and they deserve because those men and women are damn good on that in the college game. Oh my god, yeah, they're <laughs> they're so good. I know college golf. It it, it it. I think there's so much more to go for college golf, but it is amazing. I feel like even over the last. I don't know, let's say 10, 12 years, just the, like, I now look forward to watching the NCAA championships, oh, yeah. which are on golf channel uh, towards the end of May. They, they do the women's one week and then the men's are the exact uh, or the next week at the exact same location. And, and it's one of my favorite two week stretches in all of golf, right? It, it's again, it gets back to that team aspect, right? Players playing for something greater than just themselves. And I think that's, the big advantage with college golf. I will just say, I, 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 people need to know how awesome the Colorado open is, especially oh, on yeah. the women's side. It, it has one of, if not the largest, I don't have the exact stats, it, but it is the it, largest. It is the, the largest purse. I believe it was a hundred thousand a couple of years ago. And it has typically fallen at a point in time on the calendar where if professional women have not qualified for the U S open, the Colorado Open uh, is is a great alternative and offers great prize money. I, I caddied in it two years ago. We sponsor oh, okay. a pro Lauren Coglin, so I got to caddy for oh, her. Okay. She actually finished okay. tied for second. Um, it was a wonderful experience. That that's a course I've never had a chance to play. Unfortunately, I need to get out there. Green Valley Ranch is pretty nice out there. Yeah, it was a good walk. It um, I I've never played it, but I've walked it three times. I was so worried that week. So Lauren is, she does not live at altitude. So like her main worry was we got to get our yardages to sea level. And so I felt like the <laughs> whole three days I was just doing math, like trying to make sure, okay, right. we have, you know, let's say 150 yards. What does that mean at sea level? I was, I was very occupied. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Like, I always ask everybody about the altitude here. Like this is where I've played most of my golf. So I'm pretty used to it, but is it a little bit of a change when you moved here from Ohio? Yeah, definitely. I, I, and I still think of my yardages at like quote unquote sea level. I, 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 I think I always will. Um, I've noticed for me, at least in my personal game, I, I, I'm not a high spin player. And I think the more spin you have, the more effect the altitude has on your golf yeah. ball. So for me, it's a little bit of a feel where sometimes I'll account for like up to maybe 10%. Uh, and other times I'm like, yeah, I'm going to kind of play this straight up as I'm thinking of it at sea level. It's honestly, it, it adds a little bit of a dimension, which I enjoy just a little bit more thinking and strategy. 
So I want to just talk a couple of national topics with you before you go. I, I can sit here and talk golf with you all day. I don't know how, how that would work out, but uh, it's just great to, to you know, when, when you listen to someone, like I listen to you guys twice a week when, you, when your podcast comes out, now getting a chance to talk to you. It's It's been really exciting. I, I, I've enjoyed it. I, I just want to say. Well, thank um, you. Um, so on the national scene, golf is never dull anymore, it seems like. It always seems like there's some sort of story going on. Uh all the stuff like the Ryder Cup was disappointing enough if you rooted for the Americans, but then all that stuff afterwards with Xander Shoffley's dad and all that stuff. Like, yeah. wh- what do you guys think of some of that stuff? Well, I over the last again over the last twelve months, eighteen months, I never expected to have to be an expert in antitrust law, right? In <laughs> geopolitical, you know, affairs. It's a very interesting time for especially the men's let's let's call it the men's side of yeah. professional golf um i think for our business it's been i i definitely wouldn't say it's been bad right i, I think the more interesting things happening are good to talk about but it has been a challenge like candidly it's it's a big challenge when something like live comes around and it's you know, you're asking yourself, how do I feel about this personally? How should I speak about this as a member of No Lang Up? How should we as a business cover what's going on? I I mean, I won't say we've been, like most other things, we feel it out as we go. Um, but yeah, I, I think overall, what you're seeing on the men's side right now is players looking to fully capitalize on their value. Sometimes yeah. I think their perceived value, because oftentimes I have questions about <laughs> what they think their value might be compared right. to like what I think their value might be. Um, yeah. I, I wish I had a crystal ball and could tell you where it's going. I think that's one of the other challenging parts is like, you know, you wake up and you never quite know what headlines or news you might get. The um, I want to say it was the June sixth announcement about the potential merger between yeah. the PGA Tour and the 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 PIF fund of Saudi Arabia. I mean that caught all of us completely off guard. Oh, yeah. That was like the best kept secret in all of golf. So it's yeah, I I just feel like we're we're now in a spot where it's like we don't quite know what men's professional golf is going to look like not only in a year but shoot five years ten years um and i think candidly for me it's been you know we talked about women's golf like it hasn't been completely off-putting but it does zap a little bit of that just boyhood love and admiration for the game i think and and i think i'd be lying if i said that hasn't influenced me also to becoming I'm much more of a fan these days of the women's game just in general, I think, than the men's game. And I, I think that plays a part of it. So, yeah, I it's a very long-winded answer, but I, I think it's just we 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 just try to learn and read. And, and these are all things we talk about. Again, not only like how do I feel about this personally, and we always try to be true to like what we feel personally, but also like delivering to the audience, like how much should we talk about a live tournament or how should we approach a discussion about Saudi Arabia? It's, it's, I don't have the answers, Chris. So right. if you right. do, I would I do love not. to hear them, but <laughs> you, we're, we're kind of all feeling this out as we go. I think. 
you know, it's just, I think you're right is for a while there, it was interesting. Like, you know, Rory taking shots at Phil or, you know, whatever, all that stuff going back and forth. Now I think I just want to watch golf. Yeah. And I know I was just so much more excited to watch the women play Pebble beach at the U S open or even, you know, the, was it the KPMG at the Baltimore? Was that the, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like I was just more excited about that. Now. I mean, LACC was great. Cause I was rooting on for Wyndham and, you know, all of that, but the, the, the majors are always great, but you know, but, but I, you touched on something though. I mean, kind of the last thing here is yes. In one sense, Hey, this is, you know, when you talk about content, man, we have so much interesting right. things going on, but you also is like, as just a viewer, you just want to see the best golfers in the world compete head to head. And we don't have that right now, week in and week out. Yes. Most of the majors are still bringing together kind of this split faction between live and the PGA tour, um, but I could, you know, there, there exists a world in three, five years where they're kind of completely separate. The, the analogy I, you know, I grew up would go to the Indianapolis 500 and I can remember, uh, before kind of this, the great schism in, in open wheel auto racing. Right. And that more or less killed a lot of my interest. And I'm just worried if, if the powers that be in and around the men's game aren't careful, they could lose a lot of interest quickly, um, and I'm not sure they fully take that into account oftentimes. Well, I think one of the biggest things for me is I always liked watching Brooks Kepka play golf, and now I really don't get to watch him play golf. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I So Phil Mickelson was my guy. He, okay. growing up, you know, I, I felt like, well, Chris, we're pretty similar ages. Yep. It felt like you were either in the Tiger camp or the Phil camp. Right. And, you know, my real name's... Phil. You're gonna say, well, you're calling him Randy. That's a nickname. My real name's Phil. Uh, we didn't go know. into that whole thing. Sorry. Uh, yeah, we, yeah. No, we can. That's a whole nother podcast. But and Phil, he just played a brand of golf that was exciting, right? You never knew what he was gonna do, good yep. or bad. And so I was a Phil guy. And well, yeah. I mean, a perfect example. These last couple of years, like here's like my all-time favorite golfer, kind of being the face of this renegade breakaway tour, and we you know, all the other news that's come out about him. It's like, man, that just kind of zaps some of your enthusiasm, right? It's just a yep. small part of your, your, your childhood kind of love of golf and, and the professional game. It takes a knock a little bit. So I, I absolutely feel you there. It's like, I just want to see all these guys competing against each other at like the best courses in the world. Like that's, that's all I want. Like <laughs> you guys figure out the rest. <laughs> You know, it's funny you talk about Phil a little bit there. And I, I don't want to go on any deep dives about Phil Mickelson. But um, he was like, you know, I was a Tiger guy. That's kind of brought me into golf. But Phil was just kind of, like you said, like he's a little bit more fun loving. Like he was a little bit more. And you didn't know if he was going to hit it in the water. Or he was going to hit it. You just didn't know. And he right. was, you know, Tiger was so stoic and, uh, you know, unemotional a lot most of the times. And, yeah, that was really, really great. I, I have one more question before you go. Um, how did you guys start? How did you and KVV kind of get together? How did that kind of, because I remember reading him on ESPN a lot. Yeah. And how, how did that relationship kind of mold into what it is now? Great question. KVV has been a wonderful addition to our team. He joined uh, full-time last, well, no, gosh, just this past February. Gosh, Chris, time. time. Hey. <laughs> Sometimes I lose hey. track of time. <laughs> uh, we got to know Kevin really through social media and then seeing him, seeing him at events. Um, 
and that's the beauty I, for all the bad things about social media. And there's so many, it has connected us to, to awesome people. It's, it's like the game of golf a little bit in that way. Uh, but KVV was one of those people, Kevin Van Valkenburg. And he had told us more or less, Hey, my contract is, is coming due at ESPN. Um, I'm not getting to cover as much golf as I would like you know, have you guys ever thought about trying to beef up and, and professionalize your writing? And, you know, that's something that we're constantly thinking about in terms of our business, where can we expand, where are there opportunities, et cetera, et cetera. And so they're just, it, it was a good match of timing and opportunity and, and kind of mutual admiration that, um, Kevin was looking for a change and we thought who better to spearhead, hopefully what will eventually become more of a professional golf journalism side of no laying up. Uh, you can read all of Kevin's stuff on our, on our website, no laying up.com. And yeah, I, I think our goal was, Hey, let's, let's take Kevin. Uh, let's send him to a lot of the big events and let's just have him write what he sees and what he feels. And, um, it's been great. I think our priority heading into year two with Kevin in 2024 will be how can we get him writing more profiles or bigger features? Because yeah. I think there's there's space for that as well. Actually, one name we've we've kicked around, we'd love to write and go deeper on Wyndham Clark. So KBV, hopefully, um, we'll be doing that at some time in 2024. But yeah, that that. Long story short, the, the genesis is, hey, you know, with us trying to think about where there might be opportunities and where we can expand, writing was one area uh, which we identified, and Kevin was just a great fit for a lot of reasons. And so we're about a year in, and, and things are going really well. Looking well, forward to year two. It really feels like ESPN barely writes about golf anymore at all. Uh, not to and trash them, but... No, and I think that's the frustration for us as just golf fans and consumers yeah. is golf journalism, like journalism, a lot of places just drying up. And so if we can make it work from a business perspective, like, hey, let's put out the work that we want to consume. I think that's always driven us, right? It, it started yeah. with podcasting in that we we were listening to podcasts back in 2014, but truthfully, Chris, there were no golf podcasts. No, and no. it was like, what if, what if we tried to do one? And that was, you know, that was the genesis for that. Um, and so we're trying to do that with writing and journalism. And the hope is like, hey, let's produce stuff that us as consumers and thinking back to, you know, hey, when I was 24, 25, like, what did I love to read about? How how can I further connect with the game and its and its characters? And I think it's a great avenue. So we're hoping maybe the loss from other bigger outlets is is hopefully going to be our gain. But uh, that's at least you know that's that's the optimistic outlook. Yep. yep. All right. You know, Randy, I really appreciate this. Again, I had a great time talking golf with you for the last hour. Um, I want to make sure people know they sus subscribe to our podcast and you guys too on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, this will also go up at denvergazette.com. I'm going to put it out on social media later this evening, all of that stuff. So Randy, I don't know, you kind of plugged a lot of stuff at No Laying Up. Is there anything else you want to throw in there before we go? 
I uh, gosh, at the risk of plugging too much, I'll also just say another thing we do, we, we do have a store, we, we do merchandise. So if you're ever in the market for, you know, a nice golf shirt, we have a number of wonderful outerwear pieces and we have some silly t-shirts. Uh, it's store.nolayingup.com. Great for the holidays coming up. And Chris, I'll just end. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. I love being in Denver and uh we'll have to we got snow and yeah I'm on some busy travel stuff but we'll have to connect and play some golf next spring at the latest that sounds great um and i will say i do have a no laying up hoodie um, oh nice i do not have it on i didn't want to pander to the guest today <laughs> but uh i do have that and i do have a rowback i know you guys are big on rowback yeah. i hear you i was yeah. talking about rowback those are some great golf hoodies but uh yeah you know i'd love i don't know are you guys going to come out to denver this year for an event do you know yet we are hoping uh we we have a very good relationship with bmw and yeah. the evan scholar foundation and so with the bmw championship being at castle pines next year i am 95 percent certain we'll have a presence at the tournament and then yeah. we are looking to piggyback and hopefully do an in-person event um ideally maybe the monday or tuesday right after the tournament so definitely some things planned in and around denver for 2024 that that sounds great once again thanks for coming on randy and we will talk i hope to talk to you again soon thank you chris thanks Thank you for listening to the Denver Gazette podcast. Make sure to visit denvergazette.com for all your local news on Broncos, Rockies, Avalanche, Nuggets, and much, much more. We'll talk to you next time.